Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, October 4th, 2013. How do they say it? Uh, thank God it's Friday, you know, stuff like that. Very busy week. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We slow down, stop, open up our Bibles, and take a look at to see if what we're hearing is actually what God's Word says in context, if that's what God's God's Word means, or if, well, we're being sold a bill of goods. You know what I'm saying. So, it's Friday. It's Friday. And uh, today we do not have a theme for our program, but there's a certain amount of things I want to get to on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And of course, as is our tradition now, and I hope to keep this our tradition, we will be ending off the week with some good sermons. You know, it's either a good sermon or good sermons. And usually when we have, uh, when we go to our confessional Lutheran sermons, the homilies are a bit short. And so, you know, it's good to kind of stack them back to back. So we uh, have some good homilies, some good sermons to end the week off. Great gospel, good law, just well done stuff, you know, the kind of thing you can feed your soul on. So uh, and, and I'm, that's the part I'm excited about. Can you tell? <laughs> We've been dealing with some crazy stuff and it just seems that uh, things have gone berserk in Christianity. So uh, what we're going to do, Let's, in fact, let's talk about what we're going to do. We're going to start off with a Charisma Magazine um, news story about uh, Carl Lentz of uh, Hillsong out there in New York. Hillsong has a multi-site in New York City, and Carl Lentz has uh, recently got some ink in a uh, secular men's magazine uh, and uh, Charisma Magazine wrote about it. I think it's interesting, just interesting enough to pass along. And then what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be uh, listening to Jim Wallace of Sojourners claiming that the uh, you know, the shutdown of the United States government, that that somehow is unbiblical. And uh, <laughs> really, I, I was thinking, you know, I was going to have a party. You know, I'm kind of excited about the fact that the Fed's, have shut down, um, and that uh, there's some people in Congress who are uh, 
doing what they can to undo some of the recent uh, damage that's been done to the American people. Uh, but that's, I, I divulge my political leanings there, don't I? And uh, so we'll listen to that. And uh, then when we come back, what we'll do is we'll do two things back to back. We're going to take a break after the uh, the the Wallace piece. Uh, we'll do two things back to back after that. What we're going to be doing is we're going to listen to Stephen Lawson uh, talking about the upcoming strange fire uh conference it's, uh, that uh, Grace to You is going to be putting on, and the name of the video is called um, The Fundamental Flaw of the Charismatic Movement. The Fundamental Flaw of the Charismatic Movement. And uh, what he has to say, I'm going to basically say, yeah, he's right. Amen to that, because uh, that's a what's going on. So we'll take a look at uh, what he says, and then we'll immediately kind of give an example, if you would. We're going to do a New Apostolic Reformation update, uh, listening to more of uh, Cindy Jacobs interviewing Dutch Sheets and you know about dreaming and God discovering God's purpose for you because I think when you put Stephen Lawson first and then you listen to Dutch Sheets and Cindy Jacobs come right after that uh, you can see the point that Stephen Lawson is making and then when we're done uh, hour number two we're going to end off with a couple of very good sermons to end the week and then I hope to uh, Enjoy the evening <clears throat> watching baseball. I was very thrilled last night with the uh, the Dodgers win against the Atlanta Braves. Of course, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I as a Dodger fan, <clears throat> it's been a while since the Dodgers have been successful to any degree in the postseason. So, you know, it's one of those things. I, I I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> Because last year, obviously, I was disappointed because you know they, the Dodgers spent all this money on these new players, uh, and then they didn't even make the postseason. This year, the Dodgers have been either really hot or really cold, and uh, and so you know I went into uh, the, the the first game last night against the Atlanta Braves, and I, I think I chewed my fingernails off prior to. <laughs> to the uh to the game because you know i i wanted i didn't want to get my hopes up i was thinking which dodger team is going to show up the really good one the the team that was super hot during the middle of the summer or uh the team that you know has been playing uh, you know for the last three weeks prior to the end of the season so you know i i my goal is to unwind tonight uh in front of the television watching the dodgers hopefully uh beat the atlanta braves um, in game two of t- tonight's National League Division Series playoff. So, you know, just well, get, get, get all that uh, out on the table. Of course, I've got my eye on the Red Sox thinking, man, that is a team and a half out there in Boston right now. So, anyway, I digress. I'm I'm off on a tangent here. You see, I, once I start talking about baseball, it's all over. So, I generally try not to talk about it. So uh, with that, I think what we'll do is we'll dive into the program proper. And like I said, these are all just completely disparate things that don't exactly fit a theme today. So, you know, just think of it as this is another one of those stinking pot episodes, potpourri, if you would. And uh, we're going to dive right into it. And since we're going to start off with a news story, well, I, I need to do this. From Charisma Magazine, you can find this at charismamag.com. Oh, that sounds so cool, doesn't it? Headline reads, Hillsong's uh, New York City's Carl Lentz dubbed the Apostle of Cool by Secular Men's Mag. <clears throat> yeah, somebody sent me, before I get into this, somebody sent me a link to a story. Apparently some photographs have surfaced of Carl Lentz of Hillsong, New York, and Judah Smith um, and Justin Bieber 
um, <laughs> have uh, some photographs of these folks have uh, popped up, and it's I. If you think that uh, Justin Bieber has got some good theology uh, uh, rattling around under his brain, under the hood there, yeah, no, um, no, no, not at all. But that's that's another story for another time. So uh, Gina Meeks of uh, Charisma Mag writes, Carl Lentz, the unconventional pastor at Hillsong Church, New York City, is featured in Details Magazine's October issue in an article entitled... Jesus Christ's superstar, the gospel according to Carl Lentz. Um, see, already there's a problem here. Because, you know, by the way, when you go to the, uh, the Hillsong New York City website, you'll notice that uh, there's a problem there in the sense that there, Carl Lentz doesn't seem to be uh, often a preacher there, and finding his preaching is awfully difficult. And the reason for that is Hillsong, United, uh, Hillsong New York City. So, no, Hillsong United. Hillsong New York City is a multi site church, uh, part of the uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, Hillsong, and so I, from what I can gather, there, uh, Carl Lentz doesn't actually do much of the preaching there. You know, with the with typical multi sites, what they have is <clears throat> um, they have a. Uh, Brian Houston out of basically doing the preaching is, you know, just piped in, if you would. But they've got a cool venue out there in New York City. So that should tell you the problem that, you know, what kind of theology should you expect to hear if you were to attend Hillsong, New York City? Answer, uh, the prosperity heresy. That's what you should hear. And so Carl Lentz is, uh, you know, he's apparently become quite an icon on the religious scene out there in New York City. Why? Because, well, Carl Lentz, he's a hipster. You know, he, he dresses hip. Hipsterish, and so he, you know, a men's uh, magazine has uh, basically picked it up. So, according to uh, the article, quote, with the Lord as his swagger coach, the 34-year-old pastor is turning Hillsong Church in New York City into a Pentecostal powerhouse and a destination for the in crowd. The story says Lentz, the uh, co-founded New York uh, Hillsong New York City with uh, uh, Joel Houston. 33, the 33-year-old son of Australian Pentecostal Hillsong Church founder Brian and Bobby Houston. Together they have led the church, which has become a beacon for young people for the past two and a half years. An estimated 5,500 people show up every Sunday to its Irving Plaza location near Manhattan's Union Square. Lentz, who sports tattoos and a half-shaved head, has been in the spotlight recently, including being the subject of a report from the Associated Press. The hipster pastor is well on his way to being this generation's Billy Graham. No, he's not, actually. Now, <clears throat> let me kind of clarify what I mean by that. Um, despite the fact that I have some huge theological problems with uh, the decision theology of Billy Graham, the one thing I can say about Billy Graham as somebody who's you know old enough to remember these things is that Billy Graham actually preached law and gospel. He preached about sin, and he preached that Christ and him crucified for our sins was the only solution. Now, of course, you know, he, he was all about decision theology, but the decision was being made, quote, in the context of you being a sinner in need of a savior. So, no, um, see, whenever the, whenever the media tells us that somebody's going to be the next Billy Graham, 
uh you, no no they uh, nobody preaches like billy graham nowadays you know uh, he was all about sin and the forgiveness of sins so uh lentz who's not about sin and the forgiveness of sins is not the next billy graham he's just a hipster wannabe if you know what i mean and i don't even think he does the preaching out there brian houston does so he's just a really hipster frontman dude for the um uh for, for the hillsong new york city um anyway so, as the magazine displays in a clever infographic, Lentz has ties with celebrities such as Justin Bieber, NBA superstar Kevin Durant, Jeremy Lin, and Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, he's uh, He is going to be huge, Pastor Pris- Priscilla Shire predicted while she was guest speaking at the church, according to the details feature. Quote, drawn by his concert-like sermons and pop idol looks. Lentz's fast-growing flock of groupies includes Justin Bieber, NBA superstars, and young Hollywood celebs. Howie Kahn writes in details, but whom exactly is this new apostle of cool cool seeking to glorify? Jesus, the magazine concludes. And I would say, no, that's not right. Um, Carl Lentz, he would only give lip service to actually glorifying Jesus. In order for that to happen, they would actually have to preach sound biblical doctrine and actually preach Christ there. Now, which kind of leads to the, you know, the the point that I want to make, um, you know, as a dude, I'm familiar with men's magazines like, you know, GQ or Esquire or Men's Health, whatever. You know, I've flipped through a couple of those in my lifetime. And the one thing I can tell you about men's magazines, it's all about, well, image, you know, image. But see, the thing is, is that any crook, any criminal, any, you know, uh, unrepentant sinner can spend the right amount of money to purchase the right image, wear the right clothes, sport the right hairdo, um, have the right man accessories, if you would. And what, what are man accessories? Well, this means having the right technology and the right watch uh, and wearing the right cologne. And, and, and you do all that and supposedly you've arrived. No, you haven't. You haven't arrived anywhere. All you've done is spent the right amount of money to purchase the right image. And what is Carl Lentz? Well, he's a guy who clearly spends quite a bit of time, you know, primping and and wearing the right clothes and having the right watch and the right jewelry. and, And he has the right image. But see, that's all it is. It's just an image. In order to actually glorify Jesus, he would have to have the right theology, the right gospel, proclaim the right Jesus, and call sinners to repent of their sins and trust in him for the forgiveness of sins. He would have to actually preach the, the, you know, the cornerstone that the builders have rejected, uh, that, you know, the stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone, you know, that one, the rock of offense. He would actually have to preach the biblical gospel in order for him to really glorify Jesus. And since this details magazine has told us about Jesus Christ's superstar Carl Lentz, I would say already the focus isn't on Jesus Christ, now is it? It's on Carl Lentz, the, the superstar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, true pastors, like the true Holy Spirit, don't point people to themselves. They point people to Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul says that we do not preach ourselves, but Christ and him crucified for our sins. So already there's a problem here. I mean, sure. you know, do you think that the reason why Carl Lentz is hobnobbing with Justin Bieber and, and superstars and of the NBA and, and Hollywood and stuff like that because he preaches the, the right biblical gospel? 
Of course not. See, the reason why he's able to hobnob with all these people and get all this ink and get all this attention is because he doesn't. Is because he teaches a feel-good, self-help, pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps, God-wants-you-to-be-rich-discover-your-destiny kind of gospel. Because <clears throat> if he preached that you were going to hell because you're born dead in trespasses and sins and that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and you better repent and trust in him, repent of your sinfulness, repent of your wickedness, repent of your evil, or you're going to burn in hell. God's going to judge you. If you preach that, do you think that Details Magazine would have anything to do with Carl Lentz? No, of course not. And that's the reason why they're giving him ink is because, well, this is a guy who's paid the right amount of money and paid the proper amount of attention in order to figure out what the right hipster image is. And that's all that it is. It's just an image. It's just an image. Anybody, anybody with the right amount of money willing to take the time to figure this stuff out and spend the correct amount of moolah is capable of creating an image. And see, ultimately, that's all that it is. See, the world is shallow. And its values and what it considers important is completely the opposite of what God considers to be important. This is why Scripture says, friendship with the world is enmity toward God. Something to think about. Moving along. When the moon is in the seventh house And Jupiter Use this music for like our liberal updates. That's uh, <clears throat> the dawning of the age of Aquarius, which I think is appropriate for the baby boomer liberals like <clears throat> Jim Wallace. And uh, Jim Wallace uh, recently uh, posted a video on his Sojourners uh, website claiming that the government shutdown, you know, the federal government shutdown of you know vital services, apparently it's unbiblical. I mean, can't do this because God forbids it. And it's, you know, um, <clears throat> I would say that um, – how would I put this? Um, anarchy, no government at all, would be the unbiblical position. But let's listen to uh, Jim Wallace wax eloquent as he's worried here. Listen in. The government of the United States shut down last night at midnight. Yeah, it's not like it's not coming back. It's <laughs> it's not like they've disbanded. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today, all the talk is political. Who's to blame? What the reasons were? All the debate goes on politically. I want to suggest there is a deeper problem here than politics. There's a theological problem. Yeah, I believe there's probably a lot of theological problems when it comes to politics in Washington, but do tell. As a Christian, I want to say... Shutting down government is unbiblical. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's unbiblical. So it's completely contrary to the will of God for 
what's happened in the United States regarding the shutdown of particular vital, non-vital services, if you would, uh, that the government provides, that's completely unbiblical. Really. Um, hmm. Read the 13th chapter of the Book of Romans. Okay, 13th chapter of the Book of Romans. This is where he's claiming to get this from. Hang on a second here. Romans chapter 13. All right, verse 1, Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and that exists, and, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad would you have no fear? Uh, would you have no fear of one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Um, okay, yeah, I don't see in there um, anything in Romans chapter 13 that would say that Congress and the president can't have a budget fight, you know, and that non-vital services can't be turned off while they work out the budget. Now, notice that the Constitution is still in effect, although few now in power seem to note uh, <clears throat> the limitations put on them by uh, that particular document. <laughs> Who would want to get hung up by 18th century uh, political philosophical ideas? I mean, this is, we're in the 20th, first century. Now, you can't expect people to be governed by the Constitution now, can you? <clears throat> anyway, so it's not like the government doesn't exist. It's not like, you know, they, you know the realtors have pulled into Washington, D.C. and are trying to figure out who they can sell the White House to. And, you know, maybe they can you know, turn, uh, you know, the Capitol into a museum or something. That's not, this, the government's still there. The military's still there. They're just having a fight over how to spend certain things in budget, you know, how much to spend or how much not to spend. And so as a result of it, they've, you know, they haven't passed the proper laws making it possible for not, you know, for the government's certain services to continue. You get what I'm saying here. It's not like the government's disappeared. Government's role is to protect us from evil, to promote the good. We'd call that the common good. And yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, keep in mind, Jim Wallace, um, ideologically, is a communist. The scriptures make clear throughout Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, the Book of Kings, that rulers, kings, governments are responsible for how they treat the poorest and most vulnerable. They're judged by that by God. Yeah, that's right. They're supposed to bring justice to everybody that is their citizens. By the way, um, yeah, is ancient Israel not a communist government? Communism didn't exist until what the nineteenth century. Um, so your idea here of what that means, Jim, historically doesn't apply. The theocracy of the ancient Israel was not communistic. So those political extremists, and I'll call them that, who want to shut down the government, are unbiblical in two ways. One, they're against government per se. 
I know lots of Republicans and they're, they're, what they're against government per se. The people who sh- who shut down the government are in the government. They're not against government per se, or they wouldn't be there. Democrats who believe in government, however big or small or limited, doesn't matter. They believe in government and they believe in governing. Their role is to govern. These people don't. They- yeah, actually, they do believe in governing. They disagree with the direction that the governing authorities are taking the United States regarding its fiscal responsibilities and how much money it should be spending on particular things. <sighs> they don't believe in government per se. They want to destroy the house and shut it down. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. They're not calling for anarchy. And they're not calling for, an, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, abolition of the united states constitution this is just ridiculous nonsensical irresponsible rhetoric uh in the name of god even which now borders on blasphemy that's not biblical secondly because government has a biblical responsibility to care for the poor they're against poor people they get hostile to- oh no no they're against poor people yeah, let me point something out here. As somebody who does not make a lot of money, I, I just don't. I mean, th- there's not a lot of money to be made in orthodoxy, okay? Um, they're talking about, oh, the government, the federal government has passed a law and ma- now making it possible for affordable health care for all. Well, if, if, if that's what they've done, how come I can't afford it? Hmm? To the poor because they're hostile to government. That's also wrong. It's unbiblical. What's happening here is more than... Politics, it's ideology triumphing over what we would call good theology. So those are... Uh, yeah, uh, Jim, again, uh, communism is an, is an ideology. It's an ideology. It's not a theology. It's a competing theology, if you would. And no, the Bible does not teach communism. If you want to shut down the government, I would say, read your Bibles, reflect on Romans 13, what Paul says about the role of government, what Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets say about the role of government in protecting poor people. Today, a lot of folks are going to lose their jobs and their paychecks, and those who are most vulnerable are going to be in most jeopardy. Those who are at the bottom always suffer the most. So, so the government can't fire anybody without without it going against the will of God. That's ridiculous. Don't just look at facts. Look at faces. Faces of those who you are causing to suffer. This is wrong it's not Christian, it's not Jewish, it's contrary to our faith traditions. Reflect religiously on what you're going to do here. It's hurting a lot of people, and God will hold us all accountable for what we do in these difficult days. Yeah, I, I can just see this. You know, I'm, you know, on the day of judgment, you know, there's going to be you know, a special line for those responsible for shutting down the United States federal government in the month of October of 2013. Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, Jim Wallace is known for the fact that he is a – he's ideologically a communist. So, um, yeah, I I don't think that we need to worry that – you know that somehow what's happening here is the the abolition, the, the destruction of the constitutional government. Actually, they're working within the framework of the Constitution and the powers they've been given by the Constitution to figure out the right way 
to spend the government's resources, although I've never known Congress to rightly do that anyway, regardless of whether it was Republican or Democrat run. All right, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. You can follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we've got um, a Stephen Lawson soundbite regarding the Strange Fire Conference that I think will fit well with our Dutch Sheets <clears throat> you know, interview. Uh, stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No, no itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Hey guys, it's Rex here. I know that you've all been hearing about Stephen Furtick's latest book, Greater. Well, I took the time to check it out, and I have to say that I was greatly underwhelmed. For example, in this book he talks about Elisha burning his plows in order to follow Elijah. For some reason, Furtick then asked us to do the same. Uh Uh-huh, right. Furtick only gave you half the story. Where in your book does it tell everyone to sacrifice their oxen and cook their carcasses over your burning plows, Furtick? Nowhere. That's why I'm taking it one step further with my new book, Greater Than or Equal To. You think Furtick's book was bad? Well, my book will do it better, better. I'm not a wimp like Furtick. I do it all. That's right. Not only did I burn my plows like Elisha, but I took my oxen and I sacrificed them with my bare hands. I moved on from that, and I'm now living it up like John the Baptist. I wear a camel's hair jacket with my Bible pants and eat locusts with wild honey. I added some chipotle sauce for flavor. I I guess it worked. Anyway, got another question for you, Furtick. Ever heard of Hosea? Well, you conveniently skipped the whole part about marrying a prostitute. Well, I did it. On top of that, I'm cooking the locusts tonight for my new wife. Just like Ezekiel. I'm cooking my food over poop. It's so awesome. So watch out, Furtick. Greater than or equal to is way better than your book, you pansy. more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Rosebrough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. 
Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted new teeth. Oh, sorry, dear. I seem to have accidentally wrapped my spare dentures. <laughs> Here's your real present. Oh, look. It's a glow stick. We all know how much you like Star Wars, so we got you one of those lightsaber thingies. Oh, thanks. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church, especially if your church is into preaching about dreams and visions rather than preaching the Word of God. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month. That's it. To the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. And, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we're doing here without it. And just a reminder, our bake sale is currently on and you can pick up your 2013 Pirate Christian Radio t-shirt at piratechristianradio.com forward slash bake sale. They come in red and blue. The design's right there on the website. Uh, they're only nineteen ninety five a piece and that includes shipping and handling inside of the United States. And it's, uh, again, great way 
to support us and help us make up for the uh, budgetary shortfall that we experience every summer. <clears throat> okay, moving along. I do not have any Stephen Lawson update music, but it would be good music if I did. But uh, here's Stephen Lawson uh, talking about kind of the fundamental flaw of the charismatic movement, and I thought it would be good to juxtapose what he's saying here in this video in preparation for the upcoming Strange Fire conference uh, with <clears throat> a teaching or an interview with Dutch Sheets and Cindy Jacobs. Yeah, and he, yeah the, the two are like night and day. It's like black and white, good, evil, right versus wrong. Uh, Stephen Lawson, by the way, is in the right. Here, listen in. I, I think the fundamental flaw of the charismatic movement is their depreciation of the Word of God itself, the written Word of God. Uh, they do this, first of all, by adding other revelation to the written Word of God. And for every supposed dream and vision that they add to uh, their message, they are watering down uh, their exclusive devotion to the written Word of God. That, that's at the heart of this issue. But I think with many uh, of these, uh, they therefore also are not students of the Word of God, and, and they are not careful theologians of the Word of God. I, I know that's a very gross uh, generalization, and there can be some exceptions, but by and large, um, those who are leaders in this movement, they are not known as being biblical expositors, and they are not known as those who seek to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, they are not known as students of the Word of God. And you can just see by even the works that they produce, uh, you listen to their tapes, you, you read their books, and, and it's not the same precision with the Scripture that you see in this movement. Uh, they're playing fast and loose and with Scripture and taking so many verses out of context. And so that's why with Strange Fire we are so... Um, devoted to want to speak to this issue, to bring us back to the Word of God. And I, and I will say this, every great movement in church history has always been predicated by coming back to the standard of Scripture, the standard of Scripture. And that is what we desire to see take place in this hour, and that is why we must speak at this point. All right, so that's Stephen Lawson on the fundamental flaw of the charismatic movement. I think he's absolutely right. I mean, so many of the sermons and sound bites, you know, from people within the charismatic or Pentecostal movement that we review here at, at Fighting for the Faith and Critique, these major leaders are completely illiterate as far as what the Word of God really actually says, and they're off chasing after dreams and visions. Which now is a great segue into the next segment of Fighting for the Faith. And well, that requires me to do this though first. Here we go. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genius has mice. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Each 
Yeah, that's right. It's our new episodic Reformation update music, Pinky and the Brain, having to do with the fact that the a new Apostolic Reformation, not only being charismatic, Pentecostal, and just bizarre and goofy, uh, also <clears throat> has as its goal the seven mountain mandates and opposed, supposedly the importance of Christians taking over the world before Jesus can come back. That's probably a, a sub- subject we need to readdress from time to time. But uh, just contrast what you heard Stephen Lawson say. With this is part two of um, you know d- God's dream and discovering God's purpose for your life. Here's uh, Cindy and Mike Jacobs in Dutch Sheets. Yeah, listen in. Here we go. Hi, welcome to God Knows. Well, Mike, we're so glad to have a great guest today on the show, and you look nice. Thank you very you much. Look and very you look nice. You look like look, shiny blue, I look actually, sparkly, and sparkly. Don't I? Yeah, yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. Compliment. Well, this is going to be a tremendous program. <laughs> In fact, it this is. is a tremendous series that we have going it here. It is. And we're going to uh, welcome Dutch Sheets. Doctor Dutch Sheets is here with us again. And we'll be here with us for this series. And you listen, you need to, if you missed the first episode of this, you need to go back to GodKnows.tv and, and you can find on that a button that you click and it will give you the, the program that you've missed already. And you need to see this whole thing. It's going to be life-changing for you. Yeah, and some of you, uh, I can't believe you wouldn't, but some of you may not know, Dutch Sheets, author of Intercessory Prayer, world-renowned book, over 40 language. And we're going to be talking about his new book, Dreams, which is outstanding. And he's the executive director of Christ for the Nations Bible Institute right here in Dallas, Texas, where we are taping. And he has a passion for the nations and for America particularly. He's been married 35 years to our very good friend Cece has two grown daughters and the best has come a great grandson oh, of course the son-in-law came first but anyway. not a great grandson a yeah. great grandson uh, yes that's right well welcome <laughs> welcome welcome we're so glad you're on the show with us we've Thank been you. looking forward to this well, we've been talking about dreaming. Well, last session, our last episode, we jumped right into the middle, I think. Yeah. You know, and then the Holy Spirit hijacked the program like and we he can't does. promise he won't do that again. Well, I, you know, I had, there's some things that are stirring in me from just the last time that we were. So the Holy Spirit hijacked your last broadcast. Uh-huh. And now the Holy Spirit is working something in you right now. Really? You know, talking Dutch. And, and one is, you know, like man is made in the image of God. Does God dream? Does God have dreams? I don't mean like sleeping dreams, but I mean dreams. Well, it's a fa- it's a, it's interesting that you would ask that because that's actually how God launched me into this book. Mm. So the question is, does God dream? Well, here here's the uh, the answer to the question. If I don't have a clear biblical passage that says that God dreams, um, I have no way of knowing. Um, I you know, in fact. I've never seen God in his pajamas, so I don't know what color pajamas he wears either, or if he even wears pajamas. And so, if the Bible doesn't tell me what you know, if that God wears pajamas and that they're blue pajamas or red pajamas or choo-choo train pajamas, I have no way of knowing what pajamas God wears. So, it's, since there's no biblical passage that says that God dreams, um, then I, it is wise for me as a Christian to say, yeah. Um, since the Bible doesn't say, I dare not speculate, but these people apparently received direct revelation from God so they can tell us the things that the Bible doesn't 
We continue. I'd never thought of God as a dreamer hmm. until about four years ago. I went, I tried to go away as a lot of leaders do once or twice a year and just, mm-hmm. just spend a week with the Lord by myself. I just listen, pray, get my thoughts, you know, clear. And what do you want to do in this season, Lord? And I had gone away to be on one of those times with the Lord. And, you know, you say I'm studying, I'm thinking, I'm praying. And, but on this particular uh, week, the Lord surprised me. And he never, he never said this to me before. He said, I want you to get a journal and I want you to dream. Mm. And I think just the fact that he shifted language on me mm-hmm. instead of talk, started talking about vision, he talked about dreaming, mm. which is really related. Yeah, but vision for the future is a dream. For the yeah, future. when you hear that. Yeah, do you really think God spoke to Dutch Sheets and said this? I seriously doubt it. He's a man who has shown that he's not capable of rightly dividing the word of truth. So why should I believe that God told him any of this stuff? And that what we're receiving from Dutch Sheets here, apparently, you know, extra biblical revelation. That, that, and now we can tack this end to the back of our Bible, right? I think, of course, but really, I don't yeah. know if I ever quite thought that either. Well, really. and, then, and then the Lord just said, I want you to journal dreams for your kids. Mm-hmm. What, you, what are your dreams for your grandchildren when they come? I didn't have one yet. What are your dreams for, your, for America, your assignment, for, your, for uh, the nations? And I, I spent a whole day. And God started walking me through a process and even saying, <clears throat> you know, this dream back that you had that you thought was a failure. That wasn't a failure. It wasn't my dream for you. Aww. Just leave it alone. Forget it. I'm using that time in your life to, to teach you some things. Just move on. And, and oh, isn't that sweet of God? Oh, wow. Oh, oh that was just, just a tender moment. It was just a glorious time. But then at the end of this, the Lord said, now I want a dream. I want mm. you to listen to some of my dreams. Wow. God had never said that to me before. Mm. Wow. And I started writing as I heard about his heart for America and the nations and awakening and the souls and human trafficking and abortion and just all of these things. And I, and I felt like my walk with God went to a new place. Mm. I just felt like he opened his heart and trusted me with mm. his feelings and his dreams. And it was so fascinating to me because I'd never thought of God as a dreamer. Wow. And I just, and I, so I went back and read Genesis through the eyes of a dreamer. <laughs> and I realized. Yeah, so you read Genesis through the eyes of a dreamer uh-huh, because he has all this now direct special revelation. Because, I mean, Dutch, she is, is she so, he's so close to God that God has decided to reveal his heart to him. And so if you contradict any of this stuff, who are you contradicting? Dutch sheets, or are you contradicting God? If you buy into this, to contradict Dutch sheets is to contradict God, right? This book, the Bible, is really God's dream. Yeah. This is his dream for us. This is about his dream for family. Yeah. And the reason I dream is because he's a dreamer, and he made us in his image to dream. Yeah. You ever thought about the fact the angels don't dream? Yeah, wow. They just obey. Animals don't dream. And even, even when they're thinking about the future, well, they don't, I don't know, they think about the future. They just instinct, yeah. Yeah. instinctively <clears throat> do things. Yeah, but they're but, not planning, right? No. When a squirrel <laughs> stores up food for the winter, the squirrel isn't thinking, I better store up food for winter. 
Yeah. We just instinctively do it. But God made us different. You know, when I was reading this fabulous book called Dream that Dutch has written, and we're going to uh, offer it later on, Discovering God's Purpose for Your Life, you, you one of the lead-ins you had was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you. Yeah, again, favored to out of ver- out of context passage, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is not a general promise to Christians that God means good for you. Read it in context. It's taken from a letter specifically written to the exiles uh, who were taken into Babylon. Yeah, read it in context. It's not a general promise to Christians. A future and a hope. Yes. It's, it's one of the my life verses, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the word future there is in many translations translate destiny. Wow. I have a destiny for you. Wow. So when God wrote about us in his book, Psalm 139, he was writing his dreams for me. Every person is made to dream, and the way you discover your destiny <laughs> is your dream. Wow. Oh, wow. And where in the Bible, do, again, does it say that the way you discover your destiny is to dream? I'm not familiar with that passage. In fact, I'm, yep, I'm convinced it doesn't exist. Life is really a series of dreams. It's like a progressive revelation, maybe. In exactly. Way, yeah. I call it, you know, your, your dreamorama, uh-huh. your, your dreamscape. You, you go from dream to dream. You go from vision to vision. You know, you start as a, as a child and you start dreaming. You don't even know you're dreaming. Mm. When, when, my, when my kids were three and five, my wife hears this from the bedroom. Mom, close your eyes. Don't look until we tell you. And she's thinking, oh, my goodness, what, 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 what am I going to see? And they come out. And they're in these long dresses, her clothing. Aww. And they're painted with lipstick and it's all over the Aww. face and makeup. And they have her purses hanging to the floor and they're wobbling on high heels and they're coming out dressed like mom. Wow. No, no one told them dream about being a mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something in them couldn't help dreaming. We're made to dream. We, we are. We even have the phrase in, in English. I don't know how it would be translated, but... We talk about looking forward to something. Mm -hmm. I've been looking forward to being with you on this program Mm. because we we can't help it. You can't help it. You're made to look forward. You have to. You're either thinking about dinner with your friends. What are you going to do this evening when so-and-so gets home? Oh, you're going on this vacation. You can't help it. Mm. God wired us to dream. Hmm. And... He gave us his dreaming nature. We can't help it. We have to do it. When I, go ahead. So, so okay. So you, what happened to you in that visionary time when all of a sudden, just like we talk about legacy for our kids, God began to dream his leg, the dreams he had for you and That's your right. legacy and what he wanted you to do in the earth. That's well, right. How do you let him do that? You know, he had put that in me without me knowing it as a mm. child. You know, my dad was a preacher. He was an evangelist. My mother has pictures of me from when I was two years old, still in diapers. And, and I was standing on a step stool, two steps, with this huge Bible on the top of it. Wow. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I said, Mom, what was I doing in this picture? She said, you were preaching. Wow. You would say, Pete the Doppel, Pete the Doppel. <laughs> preach. I was trying to say, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. Pete the Doppel, Pete the Doppel. And, uh, and she'd, she'd, you'd say, 
Yeah, notice um, his life experiences and his dreams now rise to the level of Christian doctrine and theology. But what was this really that we were hearing? A pooling of ignorance. We weren't hearing God's word rightly preached. Instead, what we were doing is being tantalized with with stories, you know, from this guy's life and his direct revelation. And it's supposed to tell us something about God. But remember, Scripture, the written word of God, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable for teaching, correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work, not some, but all. So I don't need Dutch Sheets's direct revelations regarding God. In fact, I seriously doubt, seriously doubt, that God had anything to do with them. I think I'm hearing somebody's ravings. I'm hearing somebody's <clears throat> false theology. Maybe he got in touch with spiritual forces, but it wasn't God, the Holy Spirit. It may have been the devil. What do you think? All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going to end the week off with a few good sermons. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted... It's a Star Trek uniform, but it's red. What are you trying to say? It was the only colored wool fabric I had. Uh, try it on. It's, uh, really itchy. Do not fear, nerds of the world. 
Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Number two of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to end the week off with two. I decided to done two good sermons today. One from Brent Kuhlman and one from Pastor Bill Swirla. Kind of a one-two punch, if you would. Just brilliant gospel for both of these sermons. Oh, I cannot wait to hear these. All right, let's do this right. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. We have two sermons for you today, two of them. Uh, the first one comes to us via Trinity Lutheran Church, Murdoch, Nebraska. Pastor Brent Kuhlman presiding. The name of his sermon is entitled, Jesus Came to Save Who? Second sermon comes to us via Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. And the sermon does not have a name. It's just named after the biblical text, the gospel text that he's preaching from, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Yeah, I'll read both of the texts prior to each sermon. Pay attention to law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance, the forgiveness of sins, and how these men skillfully help us understand what these texts truly mean, what God the Holy Spirit intended these texts to mean. You're not going to hear about dreams and visions and and finding your destiny. You're going to hear about a crucified and risen Savior who suffered and died for you. So let me go ahead and kill the music and um, let me read the, the text for Pastor uh, Kuhlman's sermon. It is taken from the epistle for that Sunday, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, which reads... I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's Pastor Brent Kuhlman's sermon on this text, Jesus Came to Save Who? Here we go. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As indicated earlier, the sermon is based on the epistle. Please be seated. 
the brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, get a look at this guy, would you? Good grief. Did you read his credentials? Have you had a good look at his curriculum vitae? Well, if you haven't, it will shock you, blow you away. Let me fill you in. The man says it himself. He says he's been a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. (laughs) What a trifecta that is. You better scratch him off the call list. Would you consider such a deadbeat loser to be your pastor? Would you have use for any such man like that here at Trinity? Of course you wouldn't. You'd be grumbling and mumbling. You'd be gnashing your teeth and clenching your fists and stomping your feet. And I wouldn't blame you one bit. Because we're all scandalized and outraged by this man's credentials. After all, this Paul has slandered God and God's word. Would you put up with that from a pastor? He has hunted down Christians, including perhaps some of your own relatives and friends, for confessing Jesus as the Lord. He's persecuted them. He's jailed them. He has separated Christian wives from their husbands, Christian parents from their own children. He's even murdered them, making many widows and orphans. He loved, oh, this Paul just loved to put the screws to the church, and he took pride in such violent behavior. This Paul is just like the so-called moderate Muslim rebels in Syria today who terrorize the remaining remnant of Syrian Christians with the totalitarian demand to convert to Islam or be made shorter by a head. Paul was deeply delighted and gave his wholehearted approval when that dangerous Christian preacher named Stephen was stoned until his skull was brutally crushed beyond recognition and his limp body lay graveyard dead in the pool of his own blood. Acts 8, verse 1. You want to talk about an arrogant SOB? You want to talk about crimes against humanity and against God? You don't get much more big-time sinner than this Paul character. He's worse. He's worse than those chiseling cheating, skimming off the top tax collectors. And yes, he's worse than those, well, you know, uh, he's worse than the the Miley Cyrus and the Lady Gaga and the Sydney Leathers strumpet and street-walking kind of girls. You know what I mean. I mean, this Paul is the nastiest. He's the most awful. I mean, he is the bottom of the barrel. So who in the world let this sinner into our church? I mean, somebody must be sleeping at the wheel. Someone must be a brick short of a load here. Who is the fool that invited such a scumbag over for dinner? Who is the doofus that nominated him to be pastor? Who's the idiot that dared to put such a reprobate into the office of the holy ministry? Well, that doofus, that fool, that idiot is... uh, None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, leave it to Jesus. He's the one who has good use for such a sinner. It's Jesus who trudges after the lost sheep until he finds it. It's Jesus who gets out his flashlight and he flips over all the seat cushions and looks in every nook and corner of the house, meticulously searching for the one lost coin until he finally uncovers it. Good shepherd Jesus goes after this blasphemer, this persecutor, and mass murderer until he finds him. 
saves him, lugs and tugs him into the faith and into the church. The Lord Jesus even dared to put him into the office of the holy ministry. And then, good shepherd Jesus calls you and me, his neighbors and friends together, for a big blowout party in order to share in such joy. Jesus says, why don't you rejoice with me, folks? Come and join the festivities. Dinner's on me, and so are the drinks. Belly on up. Can I light your Cuban? Because all heaven has broken loose on the earth, because I have found my lost sheep, my lost coin, the very weighty sinner named Paul. He's been repented, turned to me, the Savior. Every one of the angels are just thrilled about this. And so is Paul, and I hope you are too. I think you will be bursting with all of heaven's joy when you learn what the Lord Jesus has done for Paul, and yes, even for you, sinners just like him. Listen, Pastor Paul explodes with enormous joy that we heard in the text today. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, putting me into the office of the holy ministry in order to serve as a pastor in his church. Imagine that. The Lord knows what he's doing. Really, he does. <laughs> really, he does. Now, you might call Paul a bad fit for the church, like trying to force a square peg into a round hole, but not Jesus. Listen again to what Paul writes. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Well, you got that right, Paul. You want to talk about being an ignoramus. You want to talk about unbelief. Paul, you had it in spades. You had that perfected. And so we learn that the Lord sees absolutely nothing in Paul but what? A blasphemer, a persecutor, and a sadistic man. When you look at Paul, there's nothing lovable in him. There wasn't anything in Paul that could beneficially change his disastrous and damnable relationship with the Lord. And so it's the Lord who does the unthinkable. It's the Lord who does the absurd. It is the Lord that does the most ridiculous thing that the world would see. He does what is salvationly, unlikely, silly, and ludicrous. Jesus has mercy. He has mercy on this man named Paul. Jesus is the one who pulls out all the salvation stops. Jesus goes for broke. He ups and he forgives this man, Paul, of everything. Every wicked thing that he'd ever done. Jesus dies to all the sin scorekeeping. He has the divine blood and the scars to prove it. It is the Lord Jesus who showers Paul with his Good Friday favor. Listen again to what Paul writes. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me superabundantly, or mega richly is how I would translate the Greek. Paul declares also, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, faith in Jesus that saves me, and love that flows from faith in order to serve my neighbor as I do my work in the office of the ministry. And then, then typical Christian preacher that he is, Paul lets rip... Another magnificent categorical sermon. He just can't help himself. After all, he was lost, but now he is hes found. He was dead, but now he is alive in Christ. Check it out. What joy. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Trustworthy saying. 
Well, if that's the case, then it has to be from the Lord. Paul will emphatically proclaim the Lord's teaching, and this Pauline sermon is preached precisely for you as well. Are you ready to hear it? Are you? Ah, uh, you are. Good, I'm glad. Here it is. He says, Here is a trustworthy saying that is to be believed with all of your heart. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, the absolute foremost. Would you dare to exclude yourself and your sin then from Jesus? If you would dare to do that, I beg you not to. Because primary sinner Paul now is also primary example of Christ's divine forgiveness. Our Lord's mercy is for sinners. The sum of his ministry is to forgive them. Christ's entire forgiveness for Paul is also Christ's forgiveness for you, a sinner. Jesus did not exempt any of Paul's sins or yours from his atoning sacrifice on the cross. What Jesus did for Paul counts for you as well. Most certain and sure is this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul, the world, you and me. And what a salvation it is. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. This too blows our minds. Sinless, pure, holy, divine, and eternal Jesus associates, fellowships, and hangs with sinners with the ungodly, with the toxic, impure, lethal, and contaminated sinners. But he does more than that. He does more than just associate with sinners. He actually takes in his body their sin, your sin, Paul's, and the world's sin, as well as its damnation, as the maximum sinner. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He, namely Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin. Hung on the cross, bearing all sin, Jesus was cursed and made to be a curse. Galatians 3.13 Behold, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners as he becomes the foremost sinner and is counted as such on the cross. Numbered with the transgressors, bearing their iniquities, as Isaiah promised long ago. Crucified Jesus is reckoned as the blasphemer, the persecutor, and the violent man. And so then Paul is, incredibly, he is set free. He is forgiven. The good use that Jesus has for preacher Pastor Paul is to proclaim what Jesus did for him and what he also did for you. I was shown mercy, Paul says, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus then used me as an object lesson of his unlimited patience for those folks like you here at Trinity who believe. Yes, here is a trustworthy saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so in Christ Jesus, you, the sinner, are saved as well. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10 this, then, is most certainly and most incredibly true. So I beg you, come to the sacrament today and receive the salvation won for you. Eat and drink Christ's Good Friday sacrificial body and blood with the bread and the wine and trust His unthwartable promise. Your sins are forgiven. Yes, all sin forgiven. 
Now the Lord Jesus has good use for you. In the world, in your community, in your home, and in this congregation. The vocations where he's put you for Christ-like sacrificial service of denying yourself in order to show and give love for your neighbor. Father, mother, wife, son, daughter, brother, sister, employer, worker, citizen, church member, grandparent, or even a student. Well, what's there left to say? <laughs> what Paul said, he breaks out into him. Now, to Jesus, the God-man who saves sinners, the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Good stuff. Oh, <laughs> I need to hear that. Why? And you need to hear that too. Why? Well, because we're sinners. We need hope. And our hope is in Christ, the one who saves sinners, even as sinful as Paul. All right. Our second sermon today comes to us via a Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, Hacienda Heights, California, Pastor Bill Swirla. The uh, sermon is entitled Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. That's the name of the sermon. That's what it's called. And that's ironically what he's going to be preaching from. So here's the text. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10 reads, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-five in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here's Pastor Bill Swirla, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, Hacienda Heights, California, preaching... On this gospel text, here we go. Jesus is looking straight at the religious types when he tells this parable, the Pharisees and the scribes, the blue-chip A-list church people who, like so many religious types, spend much of their religious time and energy judging and criticizing others who didn't rise to their standards of religiosity. At issue was the company that Jesus kept. This man receives sinners and gasps, horrors, he eats with them. That alone was reason enough for the religious to write Jesus off. What kind of respectable Messiah Savior hangs out with tax collectors and with sinners? Of course, you might as well ask what kind of doctor hangs out with sick people. It's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick, Jesus said on a similar occasion. How would you like it if you came to your doctor's office with the flu? And he immediately takes one look at you, covers his mouth and nose, and runs full speed out of the exam room. Doctors hang with sick people. It's what they do. Saviors hang with sinners. 
people who need to be saved. Jesus came to save sinners, not the righteous. The self-righteous have absolutely no need for Jesus or for his salvation. They're perfectly fine just as they are or so they think. They're walking the walk, they're talking the talk, and they're judging the rest of the world around them. What on earth do they need a Savior for or from? This man receives sinners and he eats with them. Oh, be glad that he does, my friends. That means he receives you and is willing to eat with you too. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that it's become fashionable in some circles, marginally Christian, to say that Christians are not sinners anymore and that they shouldn't call themselves sinners. Become kind of the thing. I won't mention names, but it's, you know, the Joyce Meyer types and the likes like that. (laughs) Some would actually say it's wrong. It's downright heresy for a Christian, a baptized believer, to say, I, a poor, miserable sinner. They say, you are what you believe. You are what you say. And if you say you're a sinner, then that's what you're going to be. You're going to be a sinner. So don't talk like that. Think positively about yourself. Don't be a loser. Be a winner. Call yourself a winner. Call yourself the saint that you are. Never mind the sinner. That's past. That's gone. That's done. And then along comes St. Paul. St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who says this, and you heard it, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. Chief, chief of sinners. That's right. No less than the Apostle Paul declares in words written down in Holy Scripture for us and for our learning that he is the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners, the foremost of sinners. He's the biggest loser there ever was in the game of religion. In his letter to the Philippians, St. Paul called his entire religious past... Everything from his circumcision on the eighth day in the tribe of Benjamin to his education as a Pharisee under the greatest of rabbis, Gamaliel, he called his entire religious past a bunch of crap. (laughs) Scubala, for those of you who are keeping track in the Greek. In view of the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ and being found in him, quote, not having a righteousness of my own based on law but that which is through faith in Christ. Chief of sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That simple message needs to be repeated over and over and over again, like a little kid telling a knock-knock joke, like a punchline that the world, and with all of its dour religions, doesn't get. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. He is the Redeemer of the unredeemable. He is the justifier of those who have no case. He's the finder of the lost. He's the one who seeks losers in their lostness and raises the undeserving dead from their graves. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? 
Okay, I'm a city kid from Chicago. I know nothing whatsoever about sheep or shepherding, except this one fact, I like lamb chops. That's all I know. That's all I know. But my answer to that question is this. Are you crazy? Who? in their right minds, leaves 99 valuable sheep to fend for themselves in the wilderness full of wolves to go off chasing after one sheep that doesn't have the good sense to stick with the flock. This is just bad stewardship of energy and time. This is no way to run a business, if you ask me. Write that lost sheep off as the dead asset that it already is and get on with business, I say. And even more outrageous, when the shepherd finds this this lost sheep, this pain in the neck he's been searching for, he he gives it a free ride home on his shoulders. He invites his friends and his neighbors, and he throws a party for this lost sheep that he found. And now the text doesn't mention this, but everybody knows that you can't have a party without a barbecue. So something got roasted to celebrate this loser sheep that gets carried home. And if you don't think this is outrageous, you just haven't gotten the gospel punchline yet, have you? So here it is. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous religious people who need no repentance. Hmm. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who recognizes his or her sinfulness and who says, I, a poor, miserable sinner, then over 99 giddy, self-righteous religious folks who believe they need no repentance. More joy in heaven over someone who simply says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, than over 99 teetotaling, morally upright, society-transforming winners who have no need to repent. More joy. Let me tell you another joke. See if you get this one. A woman has ten silver coins, and she loses one. And so you know what she does? She turns the whole house upside down looking for it. Spends days. She sweeps the floor. She turns out all the cushions in the couch. She moves all the tables and chairs. She flips over the bed She spends days seeking that lost coin, and then she finds it. There it is, right there on the floor. And she calls together her friends and all of her neighbors, and she throws a party, and she spends a lot more on the party than the coin was worth that she was seeking. That's insane. That's just nuts. Nobody would do that. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Oh, maybe we'd look for the coin for a while. You know, that thing was valuable. It's a drachma. Piece of silver, a drachma. You could buy, get it, one sheep with it. Hmm. It was worth a sheep. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner. Who repents. That is outrageous. Joy in heaven over one sinner who simply comes to the recognition that he cannot save himself, he cannot improve himself, he can't do a darn thing for himself, 
All he can do is trust Christ to save him. One sinner who repents, who comes to a new mind about himself and Christ, that causes an outburst of joy before the angels. And it's not even something that he does. He's lost. He's the lost sheep. He's the lost coin. The seeking and the finding happened to him. And his being found is cause for joy and celebration and a party. You know, I think the reason we don't get this joke is that we don't take sin for the sickness that it is. Think about it like this. Do people who have cancer and know it, but are symptom-free at the moment, do they turn around and gloat in front of all the people who are showing terrible symptoms who have the same cancer? Of course not. They identify with them. They say, I have it too. I have it too. They're thankful that they don't show symptoms at the moment, but they know, they know that that could easily be them and probably will be one day. They have the same disease. Sin is a sickness. It's an illness. It's not some moral choice you make. It's not like the winners and the losers. We've all got it. So when you see somebody who's showing a lot of symptoms, you've got to say to yourself, that's the same disease I've got. And all those immoral, filthy people out there that we're constantly harassing and constantly criticizing and constantly judging, that's the same disease that we have. You're just looking at some of the symptoms. Could be you. Might be you one day. Put you in the right circumstances, you'll have the same symptoms. It's a disease. So then comes the big joke, the one you didn't get to hear this morning, about the son, the son who told his father, Hey, Dad, drop dead. I want the money now. And so the old man dropped dead, figuratively. Gave his son the money who took his inheritance, and he wasted it. And then he comes crawling back home, stinking like pigs, straight into the arms of his forgiving father, who is so overjoyed that his son, who was lost, is now found, who was dead, and is now alive, that he kills a calf, and he throws a party, and he invites everyone, including the son's older brother, who refused to embrace the outrage of grace that justifies sinners. And we're left wondering at the end of this parable, will he get it? Will he join the party? Will he see himself in the same light as he judges his brother? See, will he see the same disease in himself as in his brother? And will he laugh at the outrage at the seeking and the searching grace of God who dies for his enemies, who justifies the unjustifiable while we were yet sinners, who have no case, who sought us when we were lost, who found us in our death, who raised us to life while we were still dead. Will we get it? Will we see ourselves in the same way that St. Paul saw himself chief of sinners. The law of God demands it, and it reflects this back into our faces. You, you, good person, church-going person that you are, are chief of sinners. You are that wayward, lost, loser sheep. You are that 
that hopelessly lost coin that sits there and cannot find itself. You are the cause of joy in heaven. The joy that caused Christ to endure the cross and scorn its shame. You were lost in sin and death. And Christ went out from the right hand of God and he sought you in the wilderness of your sin. He found you in the darkness of his own death. He put you on his shoulders and he lifted you up from the grave in him and seated you at the right hand of his father in the highest of heavens. He searched for you and he was restless until he found you in the water of your baptism. And that day when you were baptized, there was rejoicing. Rejoicing with the angels, the archangels, and the whole company of heaven who sang their alleluias to the Lord when you were found in the water. There's much talk today about joy or the lack of it. Churches have become joyless places. Arid wildernesses, dry counties, burdensome, wearisome. They become more like a pep rally for the sales force than a gathering of sinners, than an outrageous celebration of losers. See, the reason that the churches have lost their joy is that we've forgotten the punchline. We've forgotten the joke, or we no longer think it's funny. We're so busy transforming society. We're so busy being the world's nanny, moral nanny, marching out for everybody's morals that we miss the point. Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I and you are chief. Jesus told this parable because religious people grumbled at him on account of the company that he kept. Had they thought about it, they should have been relieved. They should have been grateful. They should have been downright giddy at the great good news that this Jesus receives tax collectors and sinners and he eats with them because that meant there was room at his table for them and for you and for you. Chief of sinners. Get it? In the name of Jesus. Amen. So what would you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until Monday, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.